and that's a big thing it's like people think being wrong or not having the best idea is a bad thing mm-hmm. uh i find it to be a good thing the stronger someone's imposter syndrome is the more likely i'm going you're gonna be a great designer one day Welcome to Replay, the show that invites you to join us at the game table. I'm your host, Clara Mount. On Replay, we're building a more inclusive community by creating a space for underrepresented gamers and their allies to share their voice. We'll tell stories about our experiences and provide new perspectives that challenge our community to think differently about who we are and what we do. Replay is a Victor Media Group original. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. Today's guest is Michelle Flam, known to some as the end boss of the internet, a game dev and a former cosplayer. She currently works as senior systems designer at WB Games in San Francisco, and she's previously worked at some studios you might recognize. I uh, think Obsidian, Zenimax, Counterplay, WolfEye, Iron Galaxy, some pretty good places. And she's here today to share some of what she's learned from her experiences throughout the industry. So without further ado, welcome to Replay, Michelle. Happy to be here. This should be fun. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so the first segment, I always just like to get to know you as a gamer because I think that's what brings us all together. So we're going to kick things off real strong and just ask you, Michelle, what is the number one reason that people should care about games? The number one reason is that unlike a lot of other media, it's one of the few medias where you can use the word I um, when you're interacting with it. And that is just one of the core things about games that make them different as an experience. You don't, when you're playing a Tomb Raider game, you don't say Laura Croft did something. You said I did something. Oh, true. Um, and that whole thing of you're actually getting an experience there. Though, yes, you're using a controller to interact with these worlds. You're getting to inhabit somebody else's life uh, and explore it for yourself. Or, you know, you're, you're, whatever your avatar's dreams are. <laughs> Whatever your avatar's dreams are. I just want steady income and to afford all the food that I want to eat. Oh, sorry. That's just me in role-playing games. So, Michelle, uh, how did you first get into gaming? Uh, So, I got into gaming as a kid. I was introduced real early because I used to like watch my dad play uh, computer games. And then, like, he get what we, like, I remember the old X-Wing and TIE Fighter games playing with a joystick. Oh, uh, yeah. kid, Or, like, even farther back. Um we had kid picks on one of those old, like really old, like Intel machines. And then on top of that, there was the original Who Framed Roger Rabbit game with the DRM wheel, where like oh you gosh. had to actually solve it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I used to play that for hours. Um, and then like, as I got older, we had a babysitter come over who had been learning programming in high, in high school. And he asked my brother and I, if we'd like to make our own Star Wars game. And we were like, we could do that. And he's like, yeah. So he sat down, he was writing machine code, basically. Oh my God. Singing. And like, we were giving directions and like, it, he was like doing actual like vector graphics, et cetera, of like the Death Star. And like, we were changing the audio pitch, et cetera. And uh, for me though, it was one of those things I was watching him write the code and I wanted to know how the weird words became pictures. So oh. it went down like, yeah. So like, I'm like eight years old wanting to learn programming because I'm seeing him make this thing. Um, Amazing. 
Yeah, backing up farther, like uh, when I went to Disneyland or Disney World as a kid, uh, I wrote like like four years old. I'm writing Journey into the Imagination 32 times in a row. Oh so God. like <laughs> starting from a young age, it was grilled into my tiny little brain of you can make anything in your imagination with engineering. So it was like this like growth. I, both my parents are engineers. I should also preface with that. So basically, <laughs> it's one of those things of you're doomed. If I didn't turn out to be an engineer, something is horribly wrong. Um, so like uh, from a young age, I'm like, oh, I can build whatever I want with engineering, which led to I want to be a robotics engineer. I want to do animatronics. <laughs> well, I discovered tabletop role playing games. I want to do video games now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you started from just like being around it, watching other people play games. And then like you were making a game at eight fucking years old, technically. Uh, first ship title was 12. What? What? There's, so, um, you, uh, so this is something that got grilled into me by some older women in games at, when I was young, is that you count things that you did for fun as kids. I, uh, was on admin on a play-by-post role-playing game online when I was 12 years old. And I, I did, uh, I shipped one of the races as in wrote the entire thing, et cetera. Someone else did the artwork because I can't draw to save my life. Uh, did Fair. flora and fauna. Uh, I did a lot of gating systems and stuff for a play by post role playing game. And ironically, I think all the women who were on the admin team were all in games now. Like one's a lead Amazing. programmer at yeah, one's a QA lead. One's a lead programmer at Ubisoft. I think one of them was the founder of Dame, uh, was a founder of Dames making games and stuff like that. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. It was really cool. <laughs> um, say it was born out of Neopets role playing stuff. Uh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, so you said you got the advice. Every single everything you've shipped, everything you've designed, call it call it a ship title. Call it, you you built it. It's done. It doesn't matter if it's a like a go. It doesn't matter if it's a play by post game or it's a triple A of uh, Call of Duty or something like that. All of that experience is valid, um, and you're coming into it more than a lot of people like. I get applications from people that like were plumbers and stuff like that. Um, I've had coworkers that were music teachers. I had leads that were math teachers. Um, wow. Like, yeah. It's like weird where everybody comes from. Like I've heard all kinds of different backgrounds. I've worked with accountants. Um, I mean, I, I did props and costumes for a while, uh, like <laughs> TV producers, uh, actually like some of the best producers I ever worked with are from the military. Oh. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of different backgrounds that are all valid and all contribute to games. Like it's just like, but if you ship something and it doesn't matter what it is, you've got to like up on all of those people. That's like you, you, there's a whole, like there's like 20% of resumes that they have to go through and you will jump that because you've made something and you can show it. Interesting. Huh. Well, well, okay. So, so now that you're in the industry, what are your favorite kinds of games now to play? Oh man, uh, I still play a wide variety of things. It literally just depends on the mood. Uh, like if I'm just having a bad week, I want something wholesome and loving like Animal Crossing. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you will find me playing first person shooters. I will, I have so many, I have thousands <laughs> of hours in Destiny. Oh God, um, <laughs> I have two, literally two years worth of playtime in World of Warcraft. Uh, yeah, we're not, yeah, my, uh, yeah, I sold my soul there. Final Fantasy 14, let me go play my dress up cat girls. I am very happy there. Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i sniper elite is actually one of my like very very like favorite things to play because it's a realistic sniper simulator 
um, where oh. I actually have to calculate wind and stuff like that, which I enjoy. Um, one of my like dirty, like it's not even like dirty, but it's like one of those things of like, if some people judge me really hard, uh, I will go on benders of just visual novels and dating sims. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Like absolute <sighs> benders on them. Uh, I binged uh, Boyfriend Dungeon in about 24 hours too. Oh my God. Uh, I cannot recommend Boyfriend Dungeon enough. <laughs> like, and especially if like you're dating someone who clearly needs to go to therapy, have them play Do- Boyfriend Dungeon. It makes it'll make your life easier because they understand afterward. Noted. Um, <laughs> Noted. Oh my god. Can you can you tell me about a gaming experience that was really important to you and why it was so important to you? Honestly, it was my first experience in Final Fantasy XI. I had okay. borrowed a friend's account, uh, and I was kind of playing, etc. And like he and a couple of friends, a couple of his friends knew who I was when playing in the account. But mm-hmm. the rest of his link shell one day saw me on that character on the the big character on the account, and was like, "Okay, you're not that character. Who are you?" Before we kick you, I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I'm friends with <laughs> this dude." Uh, they're like, "Okay." I'm like, "I, I work with him because I was working at pet store at the time." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Wait, are you the the crazy one or the one with the ferrets?" And I was like, "God." Fucking damn it! I'm the one with the ferrets. Um, <laughs> well, you were the like, crazy one. <laughs> the crazy one is now. I'm, she has five kids now. I can't believe that. Uh, <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> um, so anyway, girl with the ferrets. <laughs> yeah. So and they're like, and they actually invited me to my first raid, and they walked me through it, and were very kind, gentle, and supporting. And that's when I was like, oh my god, I don't have to deal with people in real life where I'm super awkward um oh these people are super nice they let me just come in and try this thing that I otherwise wouldn't have a chance to do told me how to do it and no one yelled at me or anything um and that was the moment of just like oh now I understand why games are important for people I didn't know this at the time but specifically for people with disabilities it makes it hard for you to communicate um Mm. because it I'm autistic and uh because of that, there's certain emotions that I don't read very well. I also mm-hmm. can, I will, I will say things and do things that other people interpret differently. And I won't understand why they're interpreting that way. So I'm much more comfortable in text or where like, mm-hmm. I don't have to have facial expressions or where I can be flat toned, those type things. So what it, what is it about video games that helps with communication? A lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a good place to experiment. A lot of people can be there, uh, the, the selves they want to be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with the fact there's much more controls rather than real life. Like you can't block somebody in real life. Um, you can try. Uh, mm-hmm. It does not work well. And sometimes, <laughs> and some people end up in jail trying to do it. Um, right. But online, but on, with online games, you can still like have that self-expression, play with who you are mm-hmm. uh, without having as many repercussions. Now, as reality and digital spaces get mixed more closely, this may become less and less true, but you can still present a much more, I feel, organic self. And that even goes for the people who are absolute shitheads mm-hmm. online. I mean, if you don't think that's not their organic self, boy, honey, do I have something to tell you. Yeah, that's a that's a whole conversation. <laughs> we did it, Reddit. <laughs> we got there. Well, so what what does gaming really mean to you, like in an emotional sense? Oh God, I would not survive without gaming. I have to literally gamify cleaning my room. I have to gamify like my entire existence. Uh, my smartwatch is broken right now. Mm-hmm. The screen just randomly cracked, and it has been a certain form of hell not having my smartwatch. And without that, like points, reminders, and stuff, like I just 
I, I need that extra kick. And it's mostly just due to the fact that I have depression and other, and other mental health issues, issues. So those dopamine kicks are really, really important, which is true for a lot of people I feel too, mm-hmm. is that yeah. like games give you like a kick when they're even just little tiny things um, that otherwise you wouldn't get. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for sharing those stories with us already. Um, you're giving us some things to think about for sure in relation to gaming. So uh, now it is time we have to cut to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, your chosen topic, which is keeping diverse people actually in the industry once they get there. Um, I'm sure we'll hear some thoughts about the, the whole Blizzard situation and what that represents. It'll be a good time. So everyone out there, stay tuned. I hope you've been getting some great stuff out of these episodes. If you like what you've heard so far, please check out our merch shop over at victormediagroup.co. Every purchase supports me personally, so I would love it if you cover your shit in my stickers. Remember, you can nab a replay merch over at victormediagroup.co. And once again, thanks so much for joining us at the game table. Welcome back to Replay. We're here with Michelle Flam, Senior Systems Designer at WB Games San Francisco. And we're talking about diversity in the games industry, but um, to provide a little context, this isn't your typical conversation about how do we get more people in the door necessarily. It's more about how do we keep them there once we have them. So um, Michelle, the when I met with you last time, you said something to me that I can't stop thinking about, actually. Um, So you said that increasing diversity in games requires supporting diversity in games. And like the way you said that to me was just so profound. And I want to just start by unpacking that. Like, what does that mean? So what that means is like when I was starting in games, uh, I was extremely lucky in that there was a very supportive group of people that happened to make the stuff that I adored as a gamer, which was the people who uh, built White Wolf. Uh, mm-hmm. And I say built as in like designers, programmers. I have never met a better group of people who just happen to like to dress up as vampires and werewolves on weekends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or who adore tiki bars as much as I do and probably regret some nights partying with me. Uh, <laughs> but... I was lucky in that they value they because of the environment that they were developing in in the 90s etc they were the first table one of the first tables or they might have been the first tabletop rpg to use she her for the player pronouns um oh uh you also have quotes in the books such as gender gets really boring after 300 years uh <laughs> that makes sense it, yeah so you had these people who like when I started expressing like wanting to work specifically on the World of Darkness online and things like that, uh, they were supportive and kind of like helped me work through things, et cetera. And I've like, I owe my entire career to basically White Wolf and the people who worked there and built that in that studio. Mm-hmm. But because they were there, because like when I was at like low points, et cetera, they were supportive uh, or they helped me out with recommendations or gave me honest feedback that's how I stayed in the industry. Like there were many points where I could have burned out and just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I had those friendships and they were willing to tell the stories and be say, Hey, it's okay. It's not you. Here's the industry. Let's unpack this. Let's look at this. What can we do to make it better next time? Um, I had that support there and I'll note that's mostly men. There's still a huge gender, 
like disparity. And what I see now is a lot of, I'll find out from women afterward of they burned out because they had a bunch of stuff happen to them and they felt like they're alone or they switched to another industry because like they felt that they're, they weren't appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, and like some of them were like women who mentored me and like, I still try to keep them up to date and say, thank you. And stuff like that. I have one that I refer to as her name is also Michelle and her hair is also red. And, uh, (laughs) he also lived in, lives in Atlanta. And, uh, we also played world of darkness together and she worked on world of darkness. So it was one of those things that we get mistaken for each other a lot. Cause amazing. Right. Yeah, you describe <laughs> both of us and we're exactly the same, except for you have to specify a producer uh, for her, <laughs> systems designer for me. And if you don't know what those two things are, you're just like, oh yeah, I know Michelle. But you don't know if you know the right one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I still try to message her and say thank you like for letting me vent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the type of support. It's like, it's not just like coworkers and stuff like that. It's friendship. It's Hey, can I have real talk with you? But so, that's t- yeah. yeah, I was so, just gonna say. So it's it sounds like that wasn't normal. The fact that you got that support was not normal, right? Not at all. Um, and like the fact that when I got my first job in the industry, I got picked by someone I looked up to to replace him. Like wrote essays about his shit in college, uh, and he not only picked me because well. I found out through a mutual friend that he picked me because the first page of my design test was why I wanted to be a systems designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fought for me, like absolutely made sure that I was set up like to be exactly what I wanted to be. And talking with other people, other women, uh, a lot of them don't have that support. Mm-hmm. Um, I've a lot of women that I've met that have become systems designers or non-binary persons have become systems designers. Um, after fighting or just happening to make friendships uh the fact that you have that barrier of having to know someone Mm -hmm. um for them to believe you can do it is super difficult um and that's a lot of the industry is having to know someone so if you're already an outsider because you're not a cis white male Mm -hmm. um you're gonna you have to work doubly hard uh i got lucky and i understand i got lucky Mm -hmm. the big difference the big advantage i had was i seized the opportunity but I also knew what that opportunity looked like. I can't imagine how many people have missed opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. And I try, like I mentor a lot of people. I have had five mentees in the past two years get their dream jobs. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> it just, the numbers keep growing, but it's one of those things of like, and they're all from all different backgrounds. Uh, I'm really happy that I do have a couple that were cishet white males mm-hmm. who like one of the big things I drilled into them was every time you see someone who does not look like you, that is true. That is in your seat that you were in before you got hired. They're a baby me. Remember what I did for you and do it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have gone above and beyond. They've done things like fought for pay equity for uh, women. Like specifically, they'd find out like another one of my mentees, uh, she had two years experience on them and was paid like 6K less than them. They went and fought with her to get the oh, pay. amazing. Yeah, like it's that type of thing. That's what I'm talking about when I say support them. Like mm-hmm. these were guys that they had, there was no reason for them to go help other mm-hmm. than- her being another one of my mentees and her being nice like she's adorable I love her to death uh, <laughs> but it they was went out of their the way. right thing to do like they knew exactly. that, that was the right thing to do yeah 
<laughs> so so I know like like the recent blizzard situation like I know I said I was gonna we're gonna talk about this because this is important yes. um I think the situation that happened with blizzard recently was a wake-up call for a lot of people that 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 support doesn't exist right that there's not somewhere to go um so I'd really love to hear your perspective on it so could you give well first of all just in case people don't know exactly what we're referring to just a little brief whatever the fuck and then um and then yeah why what does that actually like signify to you as somebody that's in the industry so the current deal it's not just blizzard it's also you can take it all the way back to the riot lawsuits also mm -hmm. uh, what we're seeing is california has much stricter pay equity gender equity etc laws in the rest of the country and we're seeing two major AAA companies get caught violating those laws. Mm -hmm. uh, by that, I mean, we're talking uh, sexual assault. This means both, this is something that I've had to tell people. It's female and male. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be affected. And part of the riot lawsuit was actually assault of male on another male. Uh, wow. a, yeah, a lead member of leadership was punching uh, members in the balls. Um, and wow. they thought that was okay. They thought it was boys being boys. It is never okay. It is never okay to touch somebody, especially in uh, in their genitals, without consent. Mm -hmm. um, never. So what we're seeing here is finally justice is serving, et cetera. We're seeing a bunch of dirt being exposed that mm -hmm. was in whisper networks for years. We knew these names. We knew we knew these names. We knew their crimes. Uh, and I say crimes because just because the burden of proof is on the victim, which of course means a lot of these crimes will never be prosecuted. However, mm -hmm. they're still crimes. We're also seeing an exposure of something that's been known in the industry for years, which is HR is there to protect the company. They will tell you this. Um, and we're seeing a lot of HR covering up for senior level people. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're seeing is how far a lot of these or a lot of these sins go and how high up they go in these big corporations. Mm -hmm. And that the fact is that these are two companies that are pillars of the industry. So you can only imagine how bad it goes down the chain. Um, like, and we saw some of this with like some of the exposures from Gamergate and stuff like that, but we never saw it to this extent. Yeah. Uh, however, for like me in the industry, this means that they're safer to be more open uh, about saying, hey, calling people out and stuff like this. Like I had my breaking point many years ago where I, I heard there was something that happened. I just snapped and finally just started calling shit out. Like I was like, you know mm -hmm. what? If it costs me my job, I'll just go somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. Which I've been very fortunate that most of the time people are just like, okay, I won't do that anymore. <laughs> like it's one of those things. It's that simple. They just don't know. And no one's called them out. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you said the HR is there pr to protect the company. So they're not there to protect the individual employees. No, nope. uh, you, whatever the violation is, unless you make it a problem for them outside of the company, they're, you're the problem, not the, not the person causing the, not the person who did the damage to you. There are exceptions. Uh, there have been multiple HR reps who have been absolute dolls and taken their role seriously about making, like bringing outside mm -hmm. resources in for mental health stuff, et cetera. But there are definitely some HR people. And as we saw laid bare with both Blizzard and Riot, that take their job of protecting the company very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think that's the big difference of between, like, I always find that HR is a good indicator of the health of a company. If the mm -hmm. HR person is there supporting people, et cetera, that company is gonna be healthy for a lot of people who have a lot of cultural trauma. So like coming into environments where like, you're dealing with a bunch of dudes, and I say dudes, cause most of the time it's all white dudes. Like it's just all white mm -hmm. dudes. It's just a sea of white dudes. 
we know this now. Um, and, and like, they have not been exposed to people outside of their little bubble. So they grew up mm-hmm. with their football friends or their gaming friends, et cetera, who all look like them with maybe a little bit of variation here and there, but never have had like a group of other people coming in. Um, and because they don't have that education, they don't have that support. It's a 50-50 shot, whether they're willing to adapt. Uh, and I mean, like change their perspective. Um, it's mostly on like, you you end up with women coming in being the cool girls, which means they just deal with it. Yeah. Uh, they deal with getting hit on. They deal with like being talked down to, et cetera, and mansplain things. They deal with, I think the most common one I got is uh, I talk too much. And at one point I actually like counted my words and stuff like that. And I would take up less than 20% of the conversation between two designers and stuff like that oh i've um, I, that, that is that is some shit i've seen in some uh sociological studies so yeah, yeah. that that hits true <laughs> yeah but like luckily my current job none of that issue i have been super happy with how diverse my team is mm-hmm. um like the fact that like everybody gets along and like i had one dude who i came on and he heard or like i've heard like like everybody just gets along and yeah. there's like a little bit of worry about like people offending each other like you check in on each other etc i love it yeah um, but like i've had jobs where that's not happened i've had jobs where they don't realize something they said is subtle misogyny or something like that or mm-hmm. something or something like said words that i'm like okay you do realize it's offensive to indigenous americans um or like that things that are very clearly like that's you're you're you can't use that i've been in situations where like i've had to stand up in a, a room of 100 people being the only woman and go you do realize if you do this, you're setting every single woman that we ever try to hire at a disadvantage. And mm-hmm. I've been lucky every time that I've had overwhelming support from what is a sea of men. But the fact is, I'm the one who has to stand up and do it. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's that, that support, but nobody should have to have the courage to do that because it's scary as fuck. You're putting yeah. everything on the line. Um, and I'm lucky that I don't, like I have ways to combat that fear and mm-hmm. a lot of it is I have mentees. I have had, like, back when I still had Twitter, I'm banned from Twitter for threatening digital seagulls, <laughs> putting it out there before people. Uh, everything is Caden House's fault. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I had women come up to me at conventions and go, your Twitter feed is why I'm a systems designer now. Like, Aww. Yeah, no, it was like heart-wrenching. I'm like, oh my God. Um, Beautiful. Like, it was just their, their, their whole thing was they felt supported because they saw someone who looked kind of like them, mm-hmm. um, talking about the stuff they wanted to do. And they were able to go, oh, she's a systems designer. I want to be a systems designer. I now know what to look for and what to talk about. That's, <laughs> that's the type of support. It's just like a little bit there, like seeing people who look like them, making sure those people who are in those higher roles stick around because when those younger people who are trying to break in or who are are lower level don't see someone who looks like them in higher levels Mm -hmm. they second guess themselves a lot Mm -hmm. yeah and that is that's a huge problem um like there's like like i said at the beginning of i am very lucky that i have always had a very good support network Mm -hmm. i am very lucky in that people who i looked up to had more faith in me than myself uh, I have a sticky note that I keep for my first job from the guy who hired me to replace him. Cause anytime I have that mm-hmm. moment, like really hardcore moment of imposter syndrome, I can look at that sticky note and go, are you saying that he was wrong? What's it say? It just says, uh, bribe accepted. Uh, bribe accepted. 
<laughs> he let, I brought donuts. I brought donuts for the entire team. And uh, he put a sticky note on my desk as, because I wrote a joke sticky note on it of bribing the entire team to like me. And so mm-hmm. he left it on, he left that note on my desk and I've kept it. Uh, my first day at, in AAA, uh, the, the guy who hired me to replace him, my guy I looked up to, takes me out to lunch. And the first thing he says to me is, you're probably feeling a lot of imposter syndrome right now. It's okay. It's a good thing. And if you're lucky, it never goes away. Uh, which I have always, yeah, I know. It seems like, <laughs> it seems like fucked up advice, but yeah. when you think about it, the reason why you have imposter syndrome is because you're second guessing your education. And by education, I mean, what you've learned on the job, what you've learned from experimenting, what you've learned mm-hmm. from playing, all those different factors in your life that build into you being a designer. Um, and I'm specifically using design at this point because uh, art is voodoo and programmers are also voodoo. Uh, so <laughs> I know nothing there. So I'm talking design here. But um, the big thing with that is that it means that you're never gonna tire of educating yourself. Now, mm-hmm. how you use that weird fucked up superpower, um, you can use it into where like, you get your ego hurt if somebody younger or from a different department, et cetera, says, well, what if we do it this way? I think it would be better because X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use it because you hear that and you go, what you hear is I learned something new. Uh, mm-hmm. And that type of thing for me, like I always make sure I give credit if somebody gives me a suggestion. Right. Um, I will fight for that person. I will make sure their name is there. Um, and if they come back later of, hey, I want to do X, Y, or Z, I'm like, I'm, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the big thing. It's like people think being wrong or not having the best idea is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it to be a good thing. The stronger someone's imposter syndrome is, the more likely I'm going, you're going to be a great designer one day. But yeah, th- but at the same time, going back to the original question, uh, supporting the people who are already there, making it so they don't have to be the only one standing up in the room defending whatever their non- heteronormative white maleness is Mm -hmm. uh and being a dude who's willing to listen and know when maybe you're wrong or stuff like that uh because that's such a big thing yeah well that all ties in together right like what you were saying about imposter syndrome if you are willing to accept being wrong willing to accept failing you're detached from your ideas, right? Like you're not going to defend them until you, you know, your dying day, but like that, that's how you can be open to change. It's time to cut to another commercial break. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk more about, um, really, I want to talk about where we can go from here. What, what can the businesses do to provide that kind of support to their employees? So with that in mind, we're going to cut to another break, like I said, and be right back. Get ready to quit the Hey, this is Nick from Quit the Build. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're into video games. And if you're like me, then you're having a tough time keeping up with all the gaming news coming at you. Our podcast, Quit the Build, is all about condensing the news into an entertaining weekly podcast that never takes more than an hour of your time. Get your gaming news the fun way with Quit the Build with new episodes every Wednesday at quitthebuild.com or wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're back on replay and we're about to hear more from Michelle Flam, who's a senior systems designer at WB Games San Francisco. Um, talk about where the industry can go from here in terms of supporting uh, minorities and underrepresented people in the industry. So Michelle, um, what are your recommendations? What what can the industry do or the, the studios do that can help provide that kind of support back to the employees? 
one of the big things that, especially with one of the big things is hiring practices, mm-hmm. making sure that you have diverse candidates in the pool, uh, animation of uh, name data, et cetera, is a big thing. Uh, not setting uh, year requirements on uh, different jobs is another big thing. Because mm, like thing. when they're like, you have to have two years experience, et cetera. Yeah, I've seen things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen things like you need to have three years experience with PS5 before the PS5 is out. And I'm like, what the what? fuck, guys? What? That happens a lot. New console. That? Yeah, next gen generation <laughs> console is announced. Suddenly they want you to have a year experience with it. I'm like, it's that, no, so, dev kits sir. haven't been out. Sir, yes. that's not how time works. Yeah. Oh, time travelers. It's time travelers writing the job description. No other explanation. Well, another big thing is I find recruiter training is really important. Uh, training recruiters to know what the job actually is necessary, needs, et cetera. Um, there's been oh, a lot of jobs. Like yeah, what skills a, to look for? Yeah, because a lot of recruiters uh, will look for like blatant, like you've got six years of exactly this rather than six years of this thing that'll be applicable to this or is adjacent to this mm. or this doesn't exactly fit but could be here they look for the easy check all the check all the check boxes yeah because uh, especially with uh under underrepresented people in the industry it's not impossible for them to get that experience um mm-hmm. like i am not a big fan of setting like absolute like quotas etc mm-hmm. uh but at the same time for the recruiting process until we get better recruiting processes that aren't based on automated software because uh, a lot of recruiters use these automated software that have intense biases in them. there's been a ton of research on it people of color especially are affected by it anybody who has a non-anglonized uh, christian name gets affected by it because ai or artificial intelligence tends to be reflective of the cultural and society it's exposed to because of how much data is exposed to if the data has implicit biases to it then that yeah. the actual AI is going to have implicit biases to it. Because it's, uh, yeah, learning from the, the examples that it's given. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at the original Oof. Connect. The original Connect uh, was flat out racist uh, because they never tested it with darker skin. But that's the thing is that like, hey, we may need to do, like this is my unpopular opinion of we may need to do these absolute quotas of making sure that you have these numbers sitting in the desk. Now mm-hmm. it's completely understandable if you don't have those numbers being applied, but then the answer, the question should be asked uh, is, hey, why aren't we getting these numbers? Where are you recruiting, uh, right? Right, and a lot of times we see mm-hmm. recruiters going to universities, but they're not going to community colleges. Uh, they're not going yeah. They're not going to places like downtown Baltimore. They're not going to downtown Atlanta. They're not going to Chattahoochee Techs. They're not going to these small colleges to where you're more mm-hmm. likely to have uh, underprivileged persons and people of color. They're not, we're starting to see more where like people who did weird fur, 3D furry porn on DeviantArt now yeah. have art stations are getting hired. Like there's a lot of people who, yeah. may, who, who may do things that you would, you as a recruiter might find uncouth uh that's a good word uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but their actual skills are there etc just you may not know how to recognize them and that's the mm-hmm. thing is that we need to have do things to help alleviate those biases um some of this is on hiring managers i have met hiring managers who are now going out of the way of they will go to recruiters and say you're giving me everyone with a female identifying name in this pile and i am taking them out of your hands and i will handle them myself uh those type of oh. hiring managers yeah they're far and few and in between because more than likely they're a lead and they're kind of busy. But <laughs> if you're a lead and you're in that position and you have the time to take it, do it. You're going to mm-hmm. end up with somebody who you didn't expect. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, like hiring practices in this industry are terrible. I have 
had later on found out things like I recruit her throughout my resume because they didn't believe a woman could hold that role. Uh, mm-hmm. I've dealt with it where entire teams had been trying to get me on to their staff for years. And then they'd find out, oh, yeah, they were throwing you out every time because you're a woman. That transparency, that pain. it's not usually, it, it is super yeah. painful. It was one of those <laughs> things I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Because they were just sitting there after when they looked at who they hired and went, yeah, we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, so hiring practice is those, those need overhauled, but that's just getting people in the door, right? That's just step one. Yep. Uh, the retaining stuff is a lot of education, a lot of listening. Um, HR practices need to change, uh, but that's going to happen to happen on a legal level. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things, if it's not a financial incentive for a company to hold equality, hold that equity for people, hold that space, mm-hmm. they're just not going to do it because it costs them money. And every, every dollar is worth the board's bottom line. Uh, mm-hmm. Having more things like we do see Title IX, like if, I, if a mega corporation has Title IX considerations, mm-hmm. um, which for people who don't know, Title IX affects federal contractors, meaning that if you have a DHS contract or anything like that, you have to hold certain HR standards to prevent harassment, et cetera, or you can mm-hmm. lose your federal contract. Yeah. Um, but a lot of companies are, a lot of companies are private or they have arbitration clauses to get around that. Uh, abolishing arbitration is a big one. Uh, California has taken great steps towards it. Uh, mm-hmm. We need it nationwide. Uh, one of the big things is the way our contracts are written. Uh, almost everybody is at will. Um, I don't think yeah. I've heard of anyone not being at will. Uh, mm-hmm. At will contracts mean that a company can fire you for any reason, et cetera. Uh, now, I've never really had to deal with it that much, um, but... I have heard of, I've heard of people having it used against them. Um, and it makes it very difficult to prove these cases in court. So once again, there's no reason for companies to change. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And that's what it comes down to is it's not, not to be hopeless or anything. There are little things you can do with supporting the women and minorities that are there. I can mostly just speak from a women's perspective because mm-hmm. I might as fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm white, bi, and Jewish. That's about, it's all I can hold. I get about, I can say, but like, it's one of those things of taking that time to hold space for them, listening to them when they say something's wrong and not like being like, oh, you're being hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. There's usually something there. Like if you think someone's being hypersensitive, ask more questions. That's the thing. A lot of things that break down to is like, think about how you'd like to be treated in that situation mm-hmm. where like something actually was like, something offended you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, like it doesn't matter what it is. Someone could have said your dick small or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which like, with the, and it'd be like, why would you say that? Like, that would be like, you would be offended. Like, especially mm-hmm. if they said it seriously or yeah. Took, yeah. Or took something of your history as a joke. Like you would be like disconcerned, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you hope that person would say, well, I don't understand why it is, but can you explain it to me? So I don't make that mistake again. Um, yeah. Like, and also understanding that that person might not want to educate you, but you should Google it or ask somebody else who you think mm-hmm. might have the same opinion. Yeah. Well, and some people, you're right. Some people are going to be able to do that work. And some people might be so depleted by dealing with shit that they're not going to have the, the energy to do that. And that makes sense. Or, so- or they may not trust you, which trust is earned, not given. And I'll, yes. I'll, that's another thing is that like the under, under like under patriarchy, I am going to go into some deep ass them feminist theory here. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Let's go. Uh, under the patriarchy, uh, patriarchal rules specifically, uh, asking questions is seen as weakness and also emotional, uh, emotional work is seen as the job 
of uh, the of people of color, women, LGBTQ mm. persons, et cetera. It's not seen as a job of the cishet male in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to get spam for people being like, well, it's not always cishet males in charge. Honey, it's 95% of it. Like there are so few women in leadership. Blizzard just had gen three women in directorship, or it was like two or three women in directorships leave because both yeah. Jen and Amy left. And I think Amy mentioned that the third one left. And they these are positions that had never been held by women before. They left three months after getting up. Oh um, my god. Yeah. And I know I, I've met Jen. I love Jen. For her to leave that position tells me some shit. Uh but that's the thing is they were probably expected to do the emotional re- uh, labor of healing that company. Um, and it's seen mm. as a lot of, a lot of women that's put on their shoulders. Well, it, I mean, they do, it's really common that people expect the underrepresented or the oppressed person to do the emotional or the educational labor to, you know, the onus of educating everyone else about the issue falls on the person that's literally the one that's targeted by it and so it's... more <laughs> one of the things i always say is babysitting is a forty thousand dollar a year job if you want somebody to do it fucking pay them mm-hmm. um and that's something that like i draw like when people like when women are going to get paid etc like ask for their salary i'm like make sure that you're getting paid for the emotional labor you're more than likely gonna have to do yeah uh, yeah and if they try to get you to do it like I've had jobs where they're like, well, you need to like coddle this guy's ego. I'm like, he gets paid $15,000 more than me. I'm not coddling shit. Um, nope. I'm like, you don't pay me enough for that. If you want that, there's an extra fee. Uh, once again, I'll say WB, nobody I've had to do that to, which makes me super happy Hell because yeah. <laughs> I am really bad at it. Uh- <laughs> good to know your, uh, your, your skills and your weaknesses. So Okay, so something you've talked about several times today already is mentorship. So the fact that you mentor a lot of people, right? And um, you've had people that have mentored you throughout your career. So, I mean, is that something that you feel like, I know you said that like we're waiting on a lot of like legal changes on like the HR side and stuff like that. Um, But is mentorship another route that would kind of help people feel supported? Almost definitely. Um, It's also one of those things a lot of people don't know. Like I've noticed like with the imposter syndrome thing again, um a lot of people who want mentorship don't know how to ask Mm -hmm. uh and like two of my mentees i met because they brought a blizzard fan game to gdc and uh they i was hanging out with one of my buddies who's a famous blizzard designer uh and they brought their fan game and they showed it they're like can you play our game and he's playing it he goes legal won't let me talk on this and i'm like i work for a bethesda pass it over because i was working on it at the time and literally i played the game because i wanted to make fun of my fucking friend with me um, oh yeah yeah because he's a systems designer too so i'm like i'm gonna sit here and comment on this game and he's gonna just sit there and squirm um so i'm playing <laughs> the game and the game's actually really good it's really well done the artwork's really pretty it's a side-scrolling action game uh they set up the monsters really well the combat was really smooth they just didn't know how to do controls on a mobile game so i told them hey if you're doing this you're actually causing injury to the thumbs you need to turn it to a tap etc or move it to a console and they're like that's really good feedback and i was like here's my card I'm happy to talk to you guys more about this design stuff, et cetera. You can follow me here, Aww. et cetera. And my literal only rule for mentorship is follow up. I'm going to forget. Um, <laughs> like it literally is that simple. It's like, I'm not going to remember. I have the attention span of a fucking squirrel. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how you said a lot of people just don't know how to ask for mentorship. So like, what yeah. would you recommend? Like, how do you find mentors? Uh, I always say go on social media, send a message. Like the worst they could say is absolutely nothing. 
Um, and I know True. it seems scary to a lot of people because it's like, oh, it's rejection. I'm like, it's not rejection. Uh, it's literally just, they may not have time. They may not have read it. They may be social shy, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons for people not to respond. Mm -hmm. But someone, someone out there probably has the time for you. The other thing is just don't be in, don't, don't be a dick. You're, <laughs> you're not, no, we're not here. Like the one thing, one of the fastest ways I've seen mentors give up is like they get a mentee who just thinks they're the fucking shit. Take mm. fucking feedback. You messaged me like you wanted the mentorship. If I'm giving you feedback, there's a good reason I'm giving you feedback. Um, it's not a comment on your character. It's not a comment on you as a designer. It's how you improve. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like, so it sounds like what's helpful is like, if you want to approach someone, have something specific to ask them about, like that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting from it. Right. So like when somebody yeah. approaches you, they're asking about like feedback on design or like for me, if I wanted to get into more of like the, the corporate side of games, I'm going to reach out to somebody that does marketing and be like, talk to me about marketing for games. Like, but here's the thing you can just know what you want. Like, yeah, but like, that's the thing. It's like, I've had people reach out to me who want to do marketing. And I'm like, well, I can't help you, but my friend can. Um, and you can do shit like that. Like if you're more comfortable, like messaging, like a narrative designer, but you want to do systems design, they'll introduce you to someone who'd be willing to mentor mm -hmm. you. Uh, but if you like come to me and you go, well, I do everything. And I'm like, oh God, no, not one of these. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, know what, what you're asking for. Well, with that, I think it is time to wrap the episode up today. Um, so I just want to give you one opportunity at the end here to share any last messages or comments that you have for anyone that's listening today. So uh, my last message is uh, if you're thinking about applying to that thing, do it because I guarantee you there's five people applying that have no business doing it. <laughs> I love it. Short and sweet. <laughs> oh, sweet? Maybe? Uh, whatever. <laughs> aggressive. All right. All right. <laughs> On that note, um, I just want to share that from my perspective, this has been, first of all, charming as fuck. Thank you for being real with me and coming on the air. Um, and talking about this because this is so important you've given me personally a lot of different ways to think about like how can we be supportive to people in the industry even if we're not in a position necessarily of like power or being able to make legal change and i think that's um i think that's shit that anyone can work with for whatever their struggles are so it's going to be good um so yeah thank you so much this has been really incredible to listen to and um thanks for coming on my show <laughs> Happy to, happy to do it anytime. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find episodes of Replay and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Replay is a VMG original and is created, hosted, and produced by Clara Mount. The show's executive produced by J.B. Adams and Gerard Mitchell with sound design by Anna Hughes and original music by Bison. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite social channels and check out Bison's other tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Extra special thanks to all my listeners for hanging out with us today. Keep on playing and remember, you're always welcome at this game table.